Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Toby Altizer, Denton Day, in for the sports junkies today on a misery Monday to kick off 2024. Misery Monday presented by Chaniga Mayos. Join the mission at careers.mios.com. It's time to get out to the BetQL guest hotline and bring in Ben Standig from The Athletic. Ben, I'll have you know, I let Denton know that you want the home and home, so I think the ball's officially in his court. (laughs) Oh, I mean, you know, I appreciate that. You know, it's that time of year where we have to start blending not just the NFL talk, but the draft talk, and uh, I know Denton's all over the college action, so that's why I wanted to, uh, you know, pick his brain about things, especially now that Washington might have the number two pick. Yeah, it's getting crazy, and it's a new year, 2024. It's almost a new year over in Ashburn. I saw you just released an article in The Athletic today talking about general manager candidates and what they might be looking for. Could you give us a little bit of a rundown of what a new GM might look like for Washington? Well, you know, the interesting thing, you know, we're all trying to figure out what the Harris group is all about, right? I mean, they've obviously been, you know, working at this for the last few months, trying to get a hold of the organization in general, what's working, what what clearly isn't working, um, you know, what needs to change. And the rest of the league is trying to figure this out as well in terms of what is Washington looking to do. And to their credit, um, you know, they've, they've been pretty good about keeping things close to the vest and, it's hard to gauge exactly why, how they view the setup. Even if you want to look at, like, here's what they did with the 76ers, the NBA model for a front office is slightly different where, like, a president of basketball operations typically sits ahead of the listed GM, even though they are really the GM itself. Um, that said, everybody kind of is aware of Josh Harris's lean towards analytics. Um, that you know, the one hiring he's already made is Eugene Shen as a vice president of football strategy to beef up the analytics department. Uh, the question is, you know, so then what comes after that? Is that sort of the the main move in that direction? Do they want more of a an analytics type of GM? A guy like Alec Hannaby from the Eagles um, is like that's like his like main bent. But then you have more traditional town evaluators like an Adam Peters in San Francisco, Ian Cunningham. Um, he's with the Bears, but last year he was offered the Cardinals uh, job. He turned it down, and he comes from the Ravens and Eagles background. And there's a lot of other names, too. So it's really interesting to try to figure out what they're up to. And that's, uh, you know, the, 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 it's trying to figure out that you know led to some names on this list who seem like some potentially good fits, either for Washington or other teams around the league. Ben, we've heard over the past couple of weeks that a guy that's been a sounding board here for Josh Harris has been Marty Herney. Do you think that he is going to remain with the team when they clear house, or is he gone as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, you know, we've all kind of, you know, I think gone with the logical assumption that Ron Rivera's days are likely over in the next 
week or so. And I say likely, I'm just saying like, you know, I'm leaving the 1% in there that, you know, who knows, but uh, <laughs> assuming that that changes, the wonder is sort of, okay, now what happened? Right. I, I kind of imagine most of the coaching staff gets blown out because of that, whoever the new coach would be, would bring in his people, but the front office, there is some of that for sure, but not like in total. I mean, you know, one thing to consider is teams don't typically fire their like scouting departments and some other front office people until after the draft at this stage because they've been you know doing all the work for all this time and they don't want necessarily want um, you know that you know organizational information to to get out or somebody has to sort of you know you can't just establish a new staff entirely with scouts and everything. Uh, at the drop of the hat. So it's possible that, you know, whether it's Herney, whether it's Mayhew, um, Eric Stokes, uh, their uh, head of player personnel, could stay, whether that's short-term or long-term. You know, I don't know. I, it, here's one thing I would probably say. All, all these people are fine executives in their own right. We sometimes make them out to be a little more cartoonish than the reality is because it's been, you know, collectively it hasn't worked. But, you know, it just probably means there needs to be better direction and more, uh, you know, maybe different people at the top. So I, I don't – if Herney or any of them stay, I wouldn't get worked up like, I don't know, they're not changing anything. But, um, you know, it, it's conceivable that some people stay, uh, you know, but I, I I don't know necessarily that, like, even if they do, it means, oh, nothing's changing. I, I wouldn't read into that. Talking with Ben Standing from The Athletic here on the BetQL guest hotline. Toby Altizer, Denton Day in for the Junkies on a New Year's Day. You kind of alluded to it in your answer there, talking about when the timeline might be for some of these moves to be made. And you said it's not generally common practice to move on from front office people until after the draft. Does that change, though? Because you know you got new ownership, obviously. We talked about that, but they're probably going to be in a position to draft one of these quarterbacks. So what would a timeline look like for a new general manager and front office to be in place in Washington? Yeah, well, I mean, for the top of the department, I mean, that could happen. That that will happen sooner than later. The, the first time teams can begin interviewing for GM candidates is January 8th. Obviously, some teams or some, some executives they're looking at are with teams in the playoffs. So, um, you know, there could be some uh, delays there on that front. But that part is cool. I'm more talking like rank and file people sure. um, in terms, you know, that they may and have a longer shelf life than than some others. But you know, I, I don't I don't want to sit here and say you know there could be a new GM within a week after the season or three weeks. You know, it's hard to say. I imagine the Harris Group is going to be pretty diligent about interviewing as many candidates as possible, just based on how they've been kind of handling their whole. Um, no pun intended for the, for the, for Josh Harris's their process so far. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think, you know, expect a new GM and, and probably even a you know, top lieutenant or two, you know, in the coming weeks. But uh, overall, the, the, whole, the whole room may not get settled until after the draft. What kind of influence do you think Eugene Shen is going to have both on the general manager and the head coaching hire? Yeah, well, I think that's honestly a really – it's a really interesting question. Um I, I don't necessarily know that he'll have like say in terms of like, hey, pick this guy, pick that guy. But if you've already brought him in, clearly you're seeking his guidance and expertise and what it is that he does. And you know, he's been around the league. He's participated in the various events. You know, when he was with Baltimore, he was there at the same time as uh, Ian Cunningham, who I mentioned, um, who turned down the Cardinals. GM job last year, and the Titans are pursuing him as well. He's expected to be one of the top candidates this year. So, you know, I've been told that there's some sort of connection relationship there. 
I, you know, I don't know if they were uh, besties during their time together or they're just <laughs> respected colleagues or what have you. But, um, you know, I, I think those types of relationships, you know, as much as like, even in the real world, as much as we like to pretend that, you know, it's always hires are always based on merit. You know, obviously connections are there. I'm not saying Cunningham does not merit. I'm just saying he may, you know, people who know Shen or who Shen respects may possibly get more, um, you know, get put in front of Harris in ways that, that others um, won't. But yeah, like like I said, I think the one the one wonder is is he sort of the main analytics person, or is it is he just the start of an avalanche of of, of shifting in that direction? Uh, and I think that's what's going to be really interesting to see. And you look ahead to the draft. Dent and I were talking about this earlier. They're currently holding the number two overall pick. Things could change next week, but they're probably going to be drafting in the top four, top three, probably likely as well. What are the chances that they don't go quarterback? It feels like they kind of need to with the, the answers you've gotten with Sam Howell the last couple of weeks being benched and not necessarily looking as good as he did earlier in the season. But uh, are they for sure going quarterback in the top three? Yeah, I mean, obviously until they make decisions on who's making that that call, it's, it's hard to say. But, you know, look, I think we, this has been such a, a fascinating year with the quarterback conversation we start the year with a complete unknown on the nfl level at quarterback he then sort of morphs into something they're like oh okay this is actually kind of intriguing uh, and all that but obviously the last few weeks have not been that kind to uh sam howells um to, to, to the perception of him as a starting quarterback so you have to imagine one way or the other that they, they recognize that the starting quarterback for this team is likely not on the roster the, the the and when you know you have an opportunity to draft a quarterback if you think that they're one of those top guys it's pretty hard to pass on that the wonder is though you know let's say they decide they're not completely in love how big of a trade haul could you get you know we saw what the bears got last year for the number one overall pick for, uh, with carolina a massive haul um you know is that if, if you're really looking at the washington scenario as like a true rebuild is there something to be said for adding extra stuff, um, a lot of extra stuff to, to really help that rebuild. I mean, you got to get a quarterback, no doubt. But like I said, maybe if you don't think those guys are all that, and by that I mean Caleb Williams from USC, Drake May from North Carolina, uh, Daniels from LSU are, are the top guys, then move on. But, yeah, it's going to be awfully, awfully tempting to take one of those guys, assuming you think that they're remotely the answer. Talking with Ben Standing here. He joins the Junkies. Toby Altizer, Den Day, filling in for the Junks on this New Year's Day. Uh, ben, obviously a game yesterday. They lose to the uh, the San Francisco 49ers. What did you think about the the performance defensively? I was watching it. It sure felt like there was a little bit more uh, a little bit more will to, to play well against this 49ers offense. Yeah, I mean that first half in particular. I mean there was a lot of hitting going on out there. I mean I I don't know. San Francisco didn't seem like it was giving it. Uh, you know, full throttle performance. It was sort of felt like sort of big brother, little brother, and uh, kind of deal. Eventually, in the second half, they just sort of moved on. But yeah, I, I thought there was a lot of good activity. You know, I thought even you know the veterans that we know, like John Allen and Deron Payne. I, you know, I think they were uh, pretty active early on, and um, yeah, I, I think there were some other guys along the way uh, who, who who made some 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 good plays uh, as well. Um, yeah. I think the team is needless to say they're in a weird space. I mean, it's been a drag here to the to, to the finish line of the season, and I think players are trying to find their own motivations beyond just team. I think I, I talked to John Allen after the game, and he's like, "Look, you know, I'm I'm going out there. I'm trying to find 
I'm trying to have fun, and I get not not that he's not taking it seriously, but he's trying to find ways to do his job, do the best he can, have fun doing it, not let everything that's going on beat him down. And it felt like a lot of guys were, were doing that. Plus, they obviously had in the secondary a whole bunch of players who were, you know, getting a rare opportunity. Your uh, Terrell Burgesses, Christian Holmes, and others getting to actually play defense rather than just special teams. And then on the other side of the ball, Sam Howell. We obviously just talked about drafting a quarterback, so obviously Sam has struggled these last couple of weeks. But what did you make of his performance yesterday? You know, um, there were moments in the first half where you're like, okay, yeah, this is more like the guy that we saw um, earlier in the year. That was a perfect uh, throw to Terry McLaurin down the right sideline for like a 42-yard gain, and then they hooked up for a touchdown. Um, Things were definitely felt – more efficient, but you know, look. Ultimately, and, and but San Francisco's got a great defense. I'm not, you know, suggesting they should have been racking up the points. But they got ten in the first half, tight first half. They don't score again. McLaurin doesn't catch a pass in the second half. Um, you know, I think I think running the ball more with Brian Robinson, who was highly effective yesterday, would have would have helped the cause. But you know, Hal got back to what we've seen the last few weeks. Unfortunately, um, more mistake prone to two interceptions. Um, you know, it's good. It's good to see him throw the ball out of time, out of bounds at times, as we saw. But he was throwing the ball like into the third row. Like he was, at times almost felt like he was, and it's kind of felt this way the last few weeks. Like you know, is he a little bit uh, spooked by all the hits he's taken over the course of of the year, and he and he has a little bit of a, a quick quick release at times, uh, sensing something that is or isn't there. So I, I think he was okay, but okay if like we're talking like week. Three, you know, what I mean, like over, at the end of the season, it's like, all right, we kind of saw this. It's kind of regressed a bit. I don't know that this changed the narrative really in any way at this point. Uh, ben, final one from me. You're staying with the offense. Another game for Jahan Dotson with no catches. It's his third one this season. Only 47 receptions on the year. Has his lack of production been more about him or more about the quarterback play? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, and. Um, it's hard to not, when you're a receiver, it's hard to not say that it's the quarterback play, especially when, as we've seen all year, you know, Terry McLaurin's production has been up and down, but we're not really questioning him. Curtis Samuel has been, um, you know, certainly far more productive than he had been in his first couple of years. Um, but, you know, it, it's not like any of these guys have had just like, you know, completely dominant seasons the way you might imagine based on their skill. So, you know, I give Dodson a little bit of the doubt, but, you know, even if you go back to last year, he wasn't a volume pass catcher when he played. He just happened to get in the end zone a lot. And you know, I think early on it was clear the enemy was using him in different ways than Scott Turner did. And that, I think all of that has led to him having, the, you know, this poor season. But, yeah, it's definitely a concern. I mean, you have to wonder when, uh, as the new – New regime takes a look and, and, and sees how much is it about him getting you know l- lack of separation or not. I, I I just was so impressed with his route running as a rookie that I just find it hard to believe he's like lost that touch. But obviously something's been off this year. Last one for me here, talking with Ben Standing of the Athletic. Looking at the roster, how many of these guys would be off the table if a team called and wanted to trade in the offseason with a new GM? Like. Coming into the year, it felt like probably your 2D tackles, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. It seemed like there were a bunch of blue-chip players or at least a handful of blue-chip players on this roster. Now it doesn't seem that way. No, I I think that's one of the more uh, disappointing aspects of the whole thing. It's one thing if, like, they don't make the playoffs or 
you know, uh, they, they underachieved. But it felt like, okay, at a baseline from the people already on the roster, that there were a fair amount of good pieces. Obviously, they traded Montez Sweat. That would have been another one. And you can debate what you think of Chase Young is there or not. The problem is that the three guys you would say, you know, Harry McLaurin, John Allen, Deron Payne, they all make a good amount of money now. Um, so it, depending on how how deep Josh Harris and the new GM would think would think a rebuild is required, you know, you could make an argument that everybody should be on the table. I think with Payne's contract, it'd be borderline impossible to to move him. But uh, I, you know, if you if you know, is there a point of paying some of these guys over twenty million a year or around that? If the team isn't going to be contending at that level, you, you can't just like, strip this thing down to the bones unless you really do want to go with the uh, with the process like he did in the NBA. But um, I, even if I say beyond that, of keeping those guys, yeah, there's just not a you know sure let let Emmanuel Forbes keep keep working to that. You know, John Dodson, now let's see what he does in the new system. But it's not like there's no way this guy's been so good. We have to keep him. You know, Sam Cosby's been better, Brian Robinson, but. I don't. I honestly am not sure there's really anybody that I would say 100% we're not trading that player. Ben, appreciate the time. Happy New Year. Same to you guys. Thanks for having me. There you heard Thanks, ben. from Ben Standig of the Athletic. He joined us on the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. Toby Altizer, Denton Day in for the Junkies on a Misery Monday presented by Janiga Myos. Join the mission at careers.mios.com. We'll get into some other stuff, maybe give you a little bit of Fun stuff as we wrap up here on a Misery Monday on a New Year's Day in 2024. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's a Misery Monday presented by Chaniga Myos. Join the mission at careers.mios.com. Toby Altizer, Denton Day, in for the sports junkies here on New Year's Day 2024. Hopefully we can cheer you up with some news from around the world, not necessarily all sports related. Denton, take it away. 
Well, here's something that'll definitely cheer us up, Toby. I am so happy that our franchise isn't the dumb one in the NFL anymore with a, right. uh, a silly owner. Right. Yesterday it was shown on camera, David Tepper at the Panthers-Jaguars game towards the end threw a drink out of his sweet window in the direction of Jacksonville Jaguar fans. Now, Toby, you got to understand, when I say out of the window, you know you've been in a suite before. We've all been in a, a suite before, even if not just to, to look, right? There's two levels to a suite. There's the the down close to the fans level, and then there's kind of the upper area where like the food and the drinks are, and that's kind of where like uh, the, the the billionaires hang out, right? Like Taylor Swift is close to the glass because she wants to watch the game. David Tepper in this studio, he is far away, so he threw the drink basically across the entire suite and then out the window. Pretty good aim, I do gotta admit. Out the window to a Jaguar fan. I am so happy, and I understand now why other people. Other fan bases in the NFL were happy watching our team and our owner, former owner, being an absolute moron. This is the most entertaining thing ever. I'm so happy we aren't the butt of the joke anymore. Yeah, it's nice to have competent ownership. And even if it's not in terms of running the franchise correctly, it's just not being in the news for stupidity like this, right? I don't know what's going to come of this. I don't know if there's going to be lawyers involved and suing. I have no idea. Don't really care, to be honest. But it is ridiculous to watch this sort of stuff, and it is so nice to know that it's not our team that has the butt of the joke anymore. Uh, it's such a rewarding uh, thing. Really, it is. Uh, yesterday, Conor McGregor announced via video that he is returning to the UFC to fight Michael Chandler on June 29th. This did not hit home for me like I once thought it would. I used to be a huge Conor McGregor fan. I've kind of, I'm kind of lesser of a fan now. One, because I haven't seen the guy fight in a while. He's maybe not the greatest guy outside of the octagon either. But this just, Conor McGregor doesn't look like he used to look anymore. He's put on a lot of weight and he's going to fight at 185, which was not what his his normal fighting weight was when he was at the, the peak of his powers. I'll watch this. I'm surely not going to pay for this, though. I'll find a degenerate way to watch this to see Conor McGregor fight, but I really thought this was going to hit harder than it did for me. I'm a little disappointed, to be honest. I am not into fighting that much. I was a big Manny Pacquiao guy when he was boxing, as I'm half Filipino, so stand up for my guy Manny Pacquiao, the Pac-Man, but outside of that, I'm not big into it, so this doesn't move the needle for me. Yeah, at one point, McGregor might have, coming back might have moved the needle for even a non-fight fan, but man, I wish it was 2015 again. Um, all right, Pistons snapped their 28-game losing streak over the, the weekend, so they are now tied with Philadelphia for the longest NBA losing streak in history. The lone difference is that the Pistons were over the course of one season, whereas Philadelphia's losing streak uh, was all the way back in the early days of the Josh Harris era across two seasons. Yeah, th this was wild to see. I, I tuned in. Honestly, this is something that's interesting. Someone was talking about, well, you want to increase the ratings? Have someone just go on a ridiculously long losing or winning streak, right? I tuned in. I generally don't – I'm not a huge fan of the NBA before Christmas or even really the new year. Kind of when football winds down, then it's like – then you can kind of ramp up the NBA season to me. But I was tuned in to watch the Celtics game, the game prior they ended up losing, that they were up by 20 in, that the Celtics ended up coming back and winning. I was tuned in to watch that. I would have tuned in, if I could have, to watch the Raptors game that the Pistons ended up winning. So it's been incredible to see because 
the team has a bunch of young guys that are fun and you would expect to be a lot better than they are, but they just didn't win any games. And, hey, man, it finally ended that thing. So good for them, I guess. <laughs> I mean, Kate Cunningham is so much fun to watch in the NBA. There were a couple games in that losing streak where he had 40 points, and they're still losing. It oh, yeah. was uh, – it was it was a tough watch. Uh, so um, uh, yesterday, New Year's Eve, obviously, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, seen wearing matching coats to and from the game, Toby. And then they went out, celebrated a little bit, went to a New Year's Eve party, and they kissed. Who would have thought a boyfriend and a girlfriend, full-blown adults kissing on New Year's? Never me. Yeah. Never would have thought. Uh, shocking is what it is that uh, a boyfriend and a girlfriend would do boyfriend and girlfriend things in the limelight. But nevertheless, we have to deal with it. I will say it is at least nice now that we're not getting constant shots of Taylor Swift when she's at the games. Although we still get the Taylor Swift's at the Chiefs game. Whoa. Okay, cool. Like she, she shows up to watch another Chiefs game. It's not that big of a deal. But at least we're not seeing her after every single time Travis Kelsey is mentioned. But it is getting a little bit annoying. But I also think it's funny, too, that you're seeing people actually blaming Taylor Swift for the Chiefs' downfall as well. It's kind of funny just seeing the various things. I'll throw this one out there for you, Denton. I liked this conspiracy theory I saw. I don't believe it at all, but I thought it was funny. Taylor Swift grew up in the Philadelphia area in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And she grew up an Eagles fan. And maybe, just maybe... She saw the Eagles get beat by the Chiefs last year and wanted to sabotage them. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently she was never really a fan growing up. Apparently not. Yeah, she like she was, but like she wasn't kind of a fan. So she has since said she is a much bigger I football fan. I wonder how many guys are happy that Taylor Swift got into football because now their girlfriend's watching me like, this isn't as bad as I thought. And they watch football with them now. I wonder how many guys are like that. I mean, I'm I'm happy she's here. I think it's it's better for the NFL oh, if yeah. more people are watching. I mean, my girlfriend, she was a football fan before, but she got a Christmas gift that uh, it was uh, a shirt from um, oh shoot, what's the company? Breaking Tea. Breaking Tea. And it was uh, uh, Karma is my tight end. She's not a Chiefs fan at all, but she thinks it's funny. So yeah, she great. she got a nice a nice Taylor Swift shirt. My biggest thing was as far as the kissing on New Year's goes. Uh, so I've seen the video because uh, Swifties are maniacal with this sort of thing. But, like, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift were at, like, a regular New Year's Eve party. Like, they were on the floor with other regular people. I would have thought they would have, like, shut down the thing. Maybe they're celebrating in a home together, but they were, they were just, like, at a club, I would assume, in Kansas City somewhere hanging out. Good for them. People of the people. I can't say man of the people because we're talking – Couple of the people, right? There you go. Yeah, cu- couple of the people. Taylor Swift and, uh, and Travis Kelsey. I thought she was going to be on their podcast last week. I feel like I was. That's what to. I thought too. They're like everyone in the family, and they just left out Taylor Swift. Come on. I guess she's not officially in there yet. Not as yet. much as Tony Romo wants to say yeah. that they're married, they are not in <laughs> fact married yet. I don't know how Tony Romo's got that wrong twice. I don't know. Of all the people, right? I mean, he he knows a little bit about this with Jessica Simpson, so he should and know of. of uh, of all the people when it relates to Taylor Swift, like you would think the fan base would absolutely come after him <laughs> if he's saying stuff like this. He uh, he at this point should know better. All right, next. Uh, Dave Chappelle released a new special over the weekend. It dropped yesterday. I watched it before the uh, the Commanders game. Are you a comedy guy? Are you a big comedy fan, Dave Chappelle fan at all? I'm a big Danny Ruye guy. 
big fan of Funny I, Danny. I am a fan of uh, a Randy Douye, yeah. Uh, but I'm not. It, it depends. Sometimes I'll probably check it out. I like Dave Chappelle. I, I like Dave Chappelle's stuff, so I'll probably check it out. It, it was pretty good. I I thought it was. It definitely wasn't his best. You know, killing him softly is going to be a hard one to to ever top. But if you're a comedy fan, go check it out. I would encourage everybody to actually watch it before you read headlines about it. It wasn't <laughs> nearly as bad as some of the headlines I read uh, made it out to be. But yeah, Dave Chappelle's Dave Chappelle, and it was I think it was filmed in D.C. too, which is nice. pretty cool. Um, all right, uh, two more for you here. Uh, we'll we'll knock the Wizards one out here. Wizards lose to the Hawks yesterday, one thirty to one twenty six. Kuzma goes for thirty eight, only thirteen from Jordan Poole uh, for the Hawks. Dejounte Murray and uh, uh, and Trey Young combined for 72. Trey went for 40. Yeah, it's tough to watch this team, honestly, and that's where I was wrong. I thought this team was going to be really fun to watch, and it, it really isn't because watching a team just not give any effort on the defensive end and not be able to play competent defense whatsoever is not necessarily fun to watch because the other team just runs down and gets an open shot whenever they want. I don't necessarily love watching that. They're, they're fun to watch in a way um, that is not fun. Yeah, exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've got some fun guys, and I would like to see Jordan Poole get some games together where it seems like he started to figure things out. We see glimpses of it, and then he goes back to struggling again. Kuzma, I think, has kind of settled into his role and kind of understands, so Kuzma's fine. Yeah, Kuzma's, gr- Kuzma's great. I need Jordan Poole to start playing better so we can trade him. Yeah, and— Like, my brother, your trade market is not great if you keep sucking. My thing is, I really like Bilal Koulibaly, and— that's kind of my hope. I'm just sick of Washington sports in general right now in the state where, like, we talked about the Commanders all year. It's just about Sam Howell. We're talking about the Wizards. It's just about Koulibaly. You talk about even the Nationals, and it's just about a handful of guys. Like, can it just start being about wins and losses, like things that actually matter and not just developing guys? Because when you're talking about just developing guys, that means your team suck. And that's where most of D.C. teams are, at least with the Capitals even though they're kind of struggling and they're not as good as you'd like them to be, at least they're winning some hockey games. Like, I just wish we could get back to looking at the win-loss record and not ignoring it completely like we do with the Wizards and with the Nationals. Like, can we just win some games, please? Uh, no, is the answer to that question. They cannot <laughs> win games. They are. They seem to be physically incapable. All right, final thing here. Uh, college football playoff today. They had media days. Over the weekend for the Sugar Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl Media Day gave us the first glimpse of Arch Manning talking to reporters and talking to the media. He was sitting there. He spoke for approximately 40 minutes to reporters, just answering questions. I watched some of it. Not all. I didn't watch all 40 minutes of it. It was a lot of the same stuff. You're supposed to be the college Um, football guy. Yeah, I I watched the first 10, and I was like, I kind of understand what this is going to be. But he was a really good dude. He, he handled it really, really well. He, he talked about some of the uh, the difficulties of being a guy that is immediately recognizable literally everywhere uh, who just wants to be, keep, be like a normal college kid. I thought he handled himself very, very well. Now, there was a picture. I don't know if you've seen this. Yes. But it was circulating across social media of all of the reporters gathered around Arch Manning and there's a shot of Quinn Ewers, whose uh, podium happened to be near Arch Manning, where he had nobody. So all of them had gone to Arch Manning. I would just like to let people know and understand how Media Day works. All of those reporters were by Quinn Ewers first. That's kind of how that goes. You go, Quinn Ewers speaks. After he speaks and answers questions, you have an opportunity if you want to get a one-on-one with him. After that, Media Day's Toby are basically like a, just an open kind of uh, field 
uh, field in this case, the ones that I went to, was a, it was in a ballroom. But it was like an open floor, and you just walk up to anybody and start talking to them. So everybody had already talked to Quinn Ewers before they started going to Arch Manning to talk, but I did find that picture funny. Yeah, great picture, great framework. Obviously, with the context, not as fun, but... It is interesting with Arch Manning because Quinn Ewers is going to be returning to Texas, right? So, yes. Is he going to transfer? He says nope. no. He says no. Do you think that's the right decision for him? Because I kind of yep. do. It's absolutely the right decision. And he is one of the only guys when he says, I'm not going to transfer, I believe it. Because he has a, uh, a support system that I don't think would encourage him to transfer unless things have gone really sideways. Uh, this The Manning family, whether you love or hate the Mannings, I don't know many people that hate him outside of maybe Tom Brady. Um, but whether you love or hate the Manning family, you kind of understand they got their head on their, their shoulders correctly when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I think they're going to make sure that Arch does what is best for Arch. And if that means sitting and waiting in Texas, that's not a bad place to sit and wait. You know what I mean? Especially if Sark is your coach. They also did shoot down the fact that he got a seven-figure NIL deal, which is, is is true. I think people very much overblow the amount of money that is getting tossed around to college kids in name, image, and likeness. Well, okay, so here's what I want to lay out, though, with Arch Manning, because a lot of people are going to look at it and say, well, I mean, if he's not going to play next year, why would he stick around? I think there's a real possibility he can have something where he starts for one year and goes pro. If he plays well in that year, he's still going to live off the name recognition He's still going to live off of the hype coming out of high school. And if he plays well, you can get drafted, and you don't have to play that second year at college where, say you play well one year. We see this all the time, right? Think back to Trevor Lawrence. Think of Caleb Williams now. If Jaden Daniels were to have to go back to college, right? If a guy wins an award or is a top-ranked guy and people really like him and then they play a second year, you spend the entire year just looking for problems. Like That's what everyone's done this year with Caleb Williams. Everyone kind of understands that he's probably going number one overall. They've known it all year. And so what have they done? They don't watch and like, appreciate Caleb Williams. They just watch and say, Caleb can't play on schedule. Caleb can't do this. Caleb can't do that. When you're just missing out on all the amazing stuff. And if you're Arch Manning, you have a possibility of sitting back, sticking around with Texas, maybe even winning a national championship this year. And then you can play one year of college football after Quinn Ewers leaves and goes to the NFL. And then you can maybe go straight to the pros and you don't have to deal with all the flack. So uh, he's already at a great program. You've got a great offensive mind and Steve Sarkeesian there. I think it makes sense for him to stay. And like you said, the Mannings kind of understand that changing systems and doing all these various things that you have to do when you go to different programs, it, it doesn't necessarily benefit you when you're already in a good spot. Yeah, I agree with that. And on top of that, there are worse places to be than the quarterback at Texas. So, well, and what do you yeah, think? As he matures, he'll he'll love that. I'm more interested and more. in what your. <laughs> I'm interested in what your thoughts are, college football guy. What do you think of the transfer portal? Because to me, like some of these things are interesting when you see some of these bowl games, and you're seeing like Kyle McCord is leaving Ohio State, and maybe they're going to get a transfer in. That's why he's probably transferring, but. Kyle McCord's leaving. You see Tate Rodemaker leaving and various things where it's like, you're in a good spot where you're at. Why do you leave that? Well, I, I think those two scenarios are a little different in the sense that uh, I don't know if Kyle McCord made that on his own accord. If you're picking up what I'm okay. putting down, I think sure. that was more of like a suggestion of like, hey, man, we liked what you did for us, but it wasn't good enough to secure yourself the job next year. We're hitting the portal 
and it's going to be competition. You don't want competition, you can, you can go elsewhere. And also, from what I understand, uh, he has a real helicopter dad. Not quite LeVar Ball bad, but like the LeVar Ball of Columbus is what I was told. <laughs> so whatever that scale is, is kind of what, what that was. The, the portal stuff is annoying. I think... Um, I think the way it's designed right now is silly. I think the portal needs to to be moved, and I think it needs to be moved to to not absolutely squander National Signing Day. But the thing is, like, if, if there is opportunities and if there is there's money to go be made, and there is money to be made, you're, you're not you've already opened this up. So it, it is the new reality in college football. Yeah, and I think now too with that 12 team playoff, it's going to fix so many things because of this bowl season this year. Denton has been just especially you get towards the end of it when you've got the good teams but half their players aren't playing. It's just not the same that it once was where it used to be appointment television to watch some of these games. Now it's like, all right, when's the college football playoff start? They don't care. Uh, by the way, for the coaches and Kirby Smart, uh, Dan Lanning here made made some comments about it. Now Lanning's in a bit of a different spot because literally all of Oregon is going to play today. Uh, but when Kirby Smart is like, we need to change this, there is a very easy and obvious solution, and that's that you pay the players. Interesting. So just straight from the colleges? Interesting. You just straight from the colleges, hey, we're gonna pay you. You don't you don't you don't play, you're not getting the money. And that trust me, that'll uh if you start throwing even if it's just five figures, right? If you start throwing ten ten thousand dollars around to everybody to play, they'll play. They'll play. Ten thousand dollars goes a lot when you're in co- goes a long way yeah, when no you're doubt. in college. No doubt. Yeah, you no nobody's playing college football in New York City, right? You're you're playing it in Tallahassee. Ten thousand dollars go a long way. <laughs> no doubt. Let's take a break when we come back. The much-awaited college football playoff picks from Denton Day here on a Misery Monday presented by Chaniga Myos. Join the mission at careers.mios.com. We'll give you our picks for the college football playoff as we wrap up on a New Year's Day here on the Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan, the Team 980, the Odyssey app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. To Misery Monday, presented by Chaniga Myos. Join the mission at careers.mios.com. Here on 106.7 The Fan Team 980, the Odyssey app. Toby Altizer, Denton Day, in for the junkies today. Real quick before we get to the college football playoff picks, Denton, Seth Walder of ESPN just tweeted out, the chances to earn the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft per ESPN Analytics, the Patriots have a 23% chance, 
the Commanders a 69% chance at the number nice. one overall pick. That's the what we like to hear. The nicest nice of all. Oh, of all. <laughs> I love it. That's what we like to hear. If you're having a miserable Monday on this New Year's Day after partying all night, 69% chance the Commanders get the number two overall pick. Makes you feel pretty good. Let's get to these college football playoff picks. Denton, well, first, actually, let's start with your boys. Let's start with the Liberty Flames. What do you predict for today? Um, I don't. I don't see my boys winning. Unfortunately, this is they're going up against a really good team. I've been really big on Oregon this entire season. Uh, they're a good team. Seeing them up close and personal, they got some man. They got some athletes. With that said, uh, I'm going to enjoy my time at my first ever New Year's Six game here in, in a couple of hours. But I would say Oregon's probably going to come away victorious in that one. Although Liberty is going to keep it closer, I hope than than most people would like to believe. So pick Liberty to cover. But don't pick them to win outright. Are you going as Denton Day media member or Denton Day the fan? Uh, media media member. So I am uh, after the show ends here. I am going to uh, to go hop on a shuttle. It's going to be it's provided by this very bougie media hotel I'm nice. staying at. It's going to take me over to the stadium, and I will be there for a couple of hours, and then I will media shuttle back here. Nice, nice. Well, enjoy your time out there, and uh, hopefully your Flames can make a game of it. Let's get to the college football playoff games, though. Rose Bowl kicks it off at 5 o'clock. Alabama, Michigan. What do you got? I like Michigan in this one. I am a, a contrarian gambler, and when I look at uh, the way that the public is playing this one, everybody and their mother, brother, father, and sister is on Alabama. And I get it because Alabama is an underdog. And the the amount of times you're going to get Nick Saban as an underdog for positive value uh, gambling-wise is very, very slim. But this Michigan team is a really good team. I think what's been lost in kind of the sauce a little bit because of the sign-stealing stuff and because of all the theatrics that Jim Harbaugh brings on a yearly basis, this team is good. They're a really good football team. They don't make a ton of mistakes. J.J. McCarthy's going to need to play way better than he did in last year's game against TCU, but I like I like Michigan to get it done this, uh, this afternoon. I'm going to take Bama. I really feel good about this. I'm not big on Michigan at all. I... They do their job well, right? Like you said, they don't beat themselves, so Alabama's going to go have to go out there and actually beat them, but I'll take my chances. I'm just not sold on this Michigan team. I'm not sold on J.J. McCarthy. I think Bama is just better. I think they find a way to win it today against Michigan. And then the Sugar Bowl, the matchup that you're probably most excited about, Texas against Washington. What you got? Yeah, this is this is the one that, uh, that that I'm pumped for, right? And I came across a stat. Uh, I've been very anti-Washington a little bit this year, which is funny because I actually had them in the playoff as one of my futures bets before the season started. But, Toby, I came across a, uh, a little bit of a statistic here. In two years at Washington uh, with Caleb DeBoer, they've been an underdog four times. In those four times, they're 4-0. They're an underdog uh, tonight against Texas. They're getting four and a half. I got I got Washington uh, covering the four and a half. This game's going to be close. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of offense. And my my prediction is that you're getting a Michigan-Washington college football uh, national championship. Interesting. Yeah, I like Washington as well. It's you know the, the reason I asked you a little bit earlier when we were talking about this, which quarterback you trust the most, to me that's what it comes down to here. I trust Michael Penix finding a way if it's close late. I'll take my chances with Michael Penix to beat Texas. And like you said, I mean, Washington hasn't lost. Have they played some close games? Sure, but they've found a way to win every single game on their schedule. So I'll take Washington. Just to add on to that, you said you're going to take Michigan and Washington. Who would you take in that national championship game? 
Um, it'll it'll depend on how they play today, but my lean would be Michigan. See, I'm just not big on Michigan. Maybe I'm in the minority on that. I'm just not big on Michigan. I, I, I think Bama would beat Washington if they met in the national championship, and I'm still not a fan of Bama being in in the first place. I'm a Florida State guy. I'm not a Florida State fan, but I think Florida State should have been in. But either way, uh, compelling games, compelling games. What do you think is the key for both of these games? What do you think is the key for Bama, Michigan? What do you think is the key for Texas, Washington? It's not a sexy thing, but it's turnovers because every offense can go, right? Every offense can put points up on the board. If you start giving possessions away, you're going to start to find yourself in a bit of a hole and all these all these teams have pretty, at least halfway decent defenses. The the Texas and Washington defenses are maybe uh, uh, on the lower side, at least in the back half. They're, but their uh, their trenches play is, is really, really solid on, on both sides. So uh, the, the teams that turn the ball over the most are going to be the ones that lose. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really intriguing to watch. Denton, appreciate you hanging out, man. It's been fun hanging out. It's been a lot of fun, Toby. I'm going to go enjoy the cold desert. It's like 40 degrees here. I thought Arizona was hot. Yeah, I know. I I bring the cold to Arizona, it seems. (laughs) Well, you you enjoy yourself, man, and uh, hopefully it warms up a little bit for you. Go Flames. Go Flames, baby. That's going to do it for us. Denton Day out in Phoenix. I'm back here in our Half Street Studios. It's going to do it for us here on a Misery Monday presented by Chaniga Myos. Join the mission at careers.mios.com. Appreciate you guys hanging out on New Year's Day. Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. Keep it tuned right here to the fan. Uh, the youngest in charge, or should I say the second youngest in charge, Linnell Willingham up next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.